0: It's that saying that, you know, it's torture writing and it's torture not writing. And the only tolerable state is having just written. And I'm in that tolerable state right now of having just written. Let me enjoy it for the few days that it lasts. Hi, this is Taylor Stevens, New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of the kick-ass Vanessa Michael Monroe thrillers. And this is The Taylor Stephens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time.
1: I am so happy that a week has passed and I'm no longer your sometimes annoying friend Steve Campbell. So today, we're going to we're going to hit part three of this line editing exercise that we've been going through. But before we start that, you're actually editing some of your own work now. So how's that going?
0: It's actually going really, really well, which is surprising. Because if anybody has um, listened to me whine and moan over the last however many years we've been doing this, um, writing is hard, and I normally am like, oh, my work sucks, my work sucks, this is all awful, and I'm in the, what I call it, the shits for... Um, for months and months at a time. And it's been a few months since I've looked at this manuscript and I'm getting ready to do a final submission on it. So I'm doing as much cleanup on it as I can like a fin- before I do this final submission. And it's just been really a fun experience. Uh, it's been one of those rare moments in my writing life where I am like, this thing frickin' rocks. I'm having <laughs> so much fun with it. And, you know, I'll, I'll hit a few chapters here and there, and I'll just be banging my head against it, going, this just isn't reading right, this just isn't reading right. But I was, I was explaining it to somebody last night, because they were like, why are you still up at midnight? You should be off the computer already. And I was like, it's that saying that, that fam- I don't remember who said it, that, you know, it's torture writing. And it's torture not writing. And the only tolerable state is having just written. And I'm in that <laughs> tolerable state right now of having just written. Let me enjoy it for the few days that it lasts.
1: <laughs> well, congratulations. That's exciting.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's my little moment of joy.
1: All right, speaking of joy and line editing, we have this material that we're going through, and we've already heard back from the author I saw in the Facebook group, where he's, he's getting a lot out of this already, and we hope that you guys out there listening are getting a lot out of it as well. And so, Taylor, what are we doing in part three today?
0: So today, we are going to go back over this material and show my revisions of how I would clean it up um, against what the draft was. So just to recap, this was a three-part series. In the first part, we went through and cleaned it up for over-description, how to get the essence of that description into the scene and, and get rid of everything that was distracting from that. In the second part, we had a revision from the author in which he took the suggestions from the first draft where we excised all that material, and he did a rewrite. And we went over that rewrite, highlighting sort of in a line editing way what I felt might be an issue and things that he would want to look at and put out the challenge to our listeners to take that material and try and do a rewrite of their own to sort of actually practice the muscle instead of just watching someone else do it. And so today in this third part, we're going to go back over that original with my changes and why I did what I did. Okay, let's do it. All right. And I I just have to say again, my way is not the way. And um, this particular piece actually was incredibly challenging for me. And I'm, I'm putting that out there for everyone who sees this to understand that this doesn't just come naturally, this is work. And it took me a long time, especially with this first opening here, and I'm still not 100% sure that I'm happy with what I did with it. So if you're struggling or having a hard time getting things to read the way you want them, don't hate on yourself for it. This is hard. It's not easy, not even for me, and I've been doing this for a long time. So the original of this, we're going to do it sort of chunk by chunk. And this first chunk is the opening. It says, Rain pounded the asphalt like a drunken stepfather unleashing self-hatred against his unwanted child. I wrapped my jacket tight against my body as I walked down the pockmarked street. Savage broken animals lined against the crumbling brick vibrated with a disquieting energy, shivering from cold, from hunger, from the need that drove them, most with eyes down and closed. A A few conscious cast their eyes toward me briefly as I hunted the shadows for a face that brought me here before flicking away incoherent voices called out to meet guttural and alien for money for drugs
1: okay for those of you uh, listening and not watching um, if you're watching you can see what's on the screen and it looks like you're using the same color-coded material that you used last week and that's in the show notes from last week so if you want to look at the original that's that is there and we'll have the completed version in this week's uh, show notes as well right taylor
0: yes all i did was take last week last week's material and just chunk it down and inserted my um rewrite in between so we can do it a piece at a time
1: before we go on we should also say where if if this is the first of these episodes that you've listened to you can follow along on taylor's patreon page which is patreon.com slash taylor stevens we'll have a link to the video for this that you can you can watch and listen it's 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 a little bit more engaging when you do it that way, or at least it is for me. And so that's, we'll have a link to that in the show notes.
0: Awesome. So in the original, we had the color coding where we were getting rid of redundant words. We had some word choice issues. Um, We were, we had a few no-nos where multiple movements were included in the um, the same sentences where we're using as as a way to join them together. So the rewrite is trying to work through all of those issues. But I also want to say that what is particularly challenging about this opening paragraph for me, and it's similar challenges I find in my own work when I do very, um, very vivid openings, is that there are multiple visual elements going on at the same time while we are also introducing a character, and while we also have to get him into movement as soon as possible. So the biggest uh, difficulty for me was incorporating and not wanting to mess with the author's words of rain-pounding the asphalt like a drunken stepfather, unleashing self-hatred against an unwanted child. That is a lot of words. And to try and fit that in within movement and keep all the other elements connected and keep it with movement it was it's challenging and so this is how after many many tries <laughs> and just not didn't read right didn't read right this is what i ended up with and i'm not 100% sure that this is how it would finish if it was mine but this is what i got and i ran out of time I pulled my jacket tight against the weather, warding off a rain that pounded down with the fury of a drunken stepfather unleashing self-hatred on a one unwanted child. A stretch of makeshift shelters pointed the way forward, cardboard and loading pallets backed against the crumbling brick and boarded up windows of a long abandoned building. I skirted mud-filled potholes for what was left of the asphalt street, reached into shadows, prodding limbs, grabbing hair to turn faces to the light gagging against rank and reeking air, searching for the face that had brought me to the crossroads of desperation and despair. Hmm. Rag-clad bodies huddled beneath plastic and broken eaves, shivering from cold, from hunger, from the need that drove them. A conscious few flicked their gaze toward me as I neared. Incoherent voices, guttural and alien, called out for money, for drugs. So what I did here in this was when the author wrote his original and we had all that detail and we were trying to pull the detail out of it because it was just too much he was trying to create a sense of this place this this horrible place that the character was in but we had no sense of where the character was at all in this story it was more just sort of like Maybe he was standing on a street corner watching everything that was going on without moving, but there was no movement. And so that's part of why it was such a challenge for me to do this opening was because I had no sense of what the character was doing. Where is he? What, what's happening to his body? And so I sort of had to invent that. And all these things that the character was describing in the original that were completely detached from his body, I had to put his body into those elements. By doing that, it required more detail, like detail that filled up, you know, a page before. I had to sort of recreate some stuff. But what I recreated wasn't necessarily visual. There's a few visual elements that are added, such as the boarded up windows and a long abandoned building, because that's an immediate picture. We don't have to get into 50, 60 words. We can just it's an immediate visual. Um, I also added senses. There was no sense from the, the character before what things smelled like or how they made him feel or what they sounded like and sight is actually the least engaging of all of our senses so when we describe the way something we see something it doesn't really engage the reader engage the uh, emotions but when we describe how something smells to the character or the characters reacting to smell or something that creates a sense of detail and description that 150 words of this is what somebody else was doing and what I saw them doing can never do. So that's what I'm going for here with this. This opening is an immediate sensory um, a shock, a smack in the face of of sensory um, I wanna say overload, you know, sight, smell, sound, whatever, so that as we move on, we don't really need any more of that. We already have a sense of what this place is visually, our olfactory uh, senses have engaged, and that's that. The other thing is, in the original, we had him uh, searching, uh, saying that he was searching for someone, but we didn't have him doing anything. So, because I had no sense of what this body how this body was in motion, I had to stop and think, all right, here's this guy. He's going to this place where he's, this, this horrible place where he's searching for a girl. He has no respect for these people. I know that because the author told me, you know, that he sees these people more as animals than as humans. So if somebody is looking for someone and he's hunting for them, he's not going to just be, and these bodies are all entangled and, and in shelters. He's not can just be walking past them and describing what he's seeing he's actually going to be physically involved in moving them and peering through things and so that gave me this is what this body needs to be doing and that's where all those little extra details came from was through motion not through observation through motion Alright, I think this is where it starts next. Okay, so the next paragraph was when the character was talking to himself. He said, Heather, what happened to you, kid? I asked myself. What were you trying to escape from that was, escape from that was so horrible that this seemed like the better option? And I highlighted that out as a point to look at because I felt like there might be some other way to have that thought and, and the, the key ingredient here in this entire dialogue is the point that something must have happened to this girl. That's what we're getting at here. And so how we get to that and and interject that, put that onto the page doesn't matter so much as making sure that it gets onto the page. So what, what helps to keep these things flowing is transitions and it, it's a little bit difficult to see here on the page because of the way that it moves um, it, it doesn't flow uh, with the page breaks so I'm going to see if I can just um there we go get it to flow a little better so we have previous a conscious few flicked their gaze toward me as I neared incoherent voices guttural and alien called out for money for drugs and then it jumps right into Heather what happened to you kid I asked myself that is a jolt It doesn't smoothly transition. So if we're going to be asking ourselves these questions, we want to lead into it. And the easiest way to transition into it is just with a little bit of inner dialogue. And so for that, I said, I thought of the kid mixed in among these animals. And that accomplished two things. It transitions us and it also gives us a sense that that's what this character thinks about these people is that they're animals. And I, in the earlier editions, I kept going, I think this is a little too soon. I think that calling them animals just doesn't work right here. And this is how I fit that in. I thought of the kid mixing among these animals and it's missing something. And and I didn't really insert it. But what we need here is something like that talks about who this kid is. I thought of the kid mixing among these animals 16 years old, a good girl from a good family on the right side of the tracks. I put this little note in here and said, that's cliche. Don't use it. I'm just putting it there for reference. Um, but something that gives us a sense of who this kid is, who this person is that he's tr- trying to hunt because he's in this situation and we know that there's a, he's hunting for now a kid and later on we hear, you know, when a blue eyed blonde goes missing but we don't know for sure that's who he's looking for. So we need something that gives the reader some sense of these, the stakes of, of, of what's at stake. So I thought of the kid mixed in among these animals, 16 years old, a good girl from a good family on the right side of the tracks, Heather. What kind of horror made this hellscape seem like a better option? What could have happened to a kid like that, that she'd run here? What nightmare was she trying to escape? And then, um i i added sorry i have to fix my own typos i can't help it (laughs) there's a word missing in there (laughs) um and then i would have added one more little segment that transitioned us again gets us back inside the character's head and these these inner dialogue, this, this character stuff, it's transitioning us so that we're not just throwing information, throwing movement, change of scenery at the readers. And so I used unanswered questions were my torment. And that, that sort of ties, that bookends, that little segment. I thought of the kid mixed in among these animals. Here's who the kid was. What kind of horror would have made this seem like a better option? What could have happened? Unanswered questions were my torment. And now we can kind of move on from there because we bookended it and we closed it out. The next paragraph reads, "I nodded my hair at a pair of officers parked off the alleyway. A bedraggled, thin, rail-thin creature danced at the head of their car, barefoot, bandaged toes kicking up waves in a filthy puddle. His voice warbled a tuneless call, a miserable simulation of music. The cruiser's headlights glowed in the mist, casting a spotlight on the pop star. His shadow cut long unnatural shapes across the splintered ground. The two officers laughed, clapping their hands inside the warm, dry environment. The driver's hand emerged with a cigarette clasped between his fingers. He waved it in front of his face, eyes aglow with a disgusting pleasure, and tossed it out the window, the monkey getting his peanut reward. I felt sickened by both displays. So we had in that segment some redundant words we could get rid of. And a few word choices issues, a pair of officers parked off the alleyway. My biggest quibble with that, besides calling them a pair, was that how do we know? If if they're in the alleyway, how does he see them? Um, If they're in the street, then they're not really parked off the alleyway. So it was a positioning issue. And then, um, you know, eyes aglow. I think I kept that. There was the issue of the officers, the two officers laughing, clapping their hands inside the dry, warm, dry environment, which I felt was a little too much of um, a comical image. So here's how I work this. First of all, again, we need to get our character in motion. Everything we describe, everything we see has to be through motion. It, otherwise it becomes dead and lifeless. I turned the corner. That's our character in motion right there light bled from an alleyway into the street casting an eerie glow against the rain a bedraggled rail thin creature danced in the spotlight barefoot bandaged toes kicking up waves in a filthy puddle his shadow cutting long unnatural shapes across the pitted ground i moved forward wanting to see those for whom he performed so that again keeps our character in motion and it's going to, it immediately explains how he sees what he sees. We don't have to position him and say where he stood. We just, we know now, and the mind will just move right with it. Two officers in their warm, dry car laughed, mocking the performer with applause. The, I rewrote it that way because it eliminated laughing and clapping. And it gave us a little bit more severity in tone of what it is that these people were doing. The creature's dance intensified and he warbled a tuneless call, a mis- miserable simulation of song. Now, I-, I caught it in this rewrite because uh, the original said an original uh, in a, simula- a miserable simulation of music. But generally speaking, we don't sing music, we sing songs so it was just like it's one of those tiny little precise word issues that a copy editor will usually catch and writers often miss including myself the displays of both of the the displays both of them sickened me the driver lifted a cigarette waved it for attention and eyes bright with sadistic pleasure flicked the smoke out onto the street peanut reward for the organ monkey i should say the organ grinders monkey i think i'm not sure but um I, I wanted to do the, change the eyes aglow, because it just a glow is just something you would see on a demon's eyes, not a human's eyes. And so I just when you say somebody's eyes are bright, it immediately gives that sense of that they're lit up, right? And that's kind of what the aglow was going for, and it just missed it. So all I did here was tweak the wording, tweak the order of words. And it's essentially the same exact information, but in a different order with a little more intensity. And if you're just listening, it's going to be really hard to catch the subtleties. If you're seeing it, then you can actually go and compare it line by line and see the changes I made, and you can you can get a sense of it and how little subtle changes can make a big difference. So back to the original. The bum tried to catch the tumbling stick, but tripped over his own feet and crashed face first onto the street. His bony fingers clawed at the ground, broken glass and small bits of sharp gravel cutting, straining for the cigarette. He waved it wet and mangled back at the officer. I stepped to the wretch, taking out my World War II era Zippo, a parting gift from my deceased father. The battered lid flicked open with its distinctive click. It lit easily with a roll of my thumb despite the rain. I held it before his face. So in this segment, we had a few redundant words. We wanted to change bum by the author's own request to something else. Um, I had an issue with crashed face first onto the street. I felt it was a bit too comical. And then um, there were word order issues with the whole Zippo parting gift from the DC's father that things just weren't quite reading well and weren't in the right place. And I don't know that my quote unquote fix really fixed it, but at least you can see the direction that I'm trying to go with this. The creature leapt to catch his prize. Long limbs tangled, and he tripped, stumbling face forward onto asphalt. He crawled forward, bony fingers clawing over broken glass and sharp gravel. He grasped the wet, mangled cigarette. Hand-cut and bleeding, he laved it in triumph and searched bottomless pockets for a lighter that didn't exist. I reached into my jacket for a World War II era Zippo, a parting gift from my deceased father. The battered lid flicked open with a distinctive click. I walked toward the creature, a a single thumb roll lit the flame despite the rain and I held the fire forward. So what I was trying to do there is make sure that everything happened movement by movement as it would if you were actually proceeding through these actions because the, the original kind of jumbled it all together and you didn't get a really clear picture of what was happening. And you need that for the mental movies to just seamlessly roll and play and the reader uh, stays immersed in it. Otherwise, it's kind of like, who, what, where, what, how? And they don't reader doesn't even know that they're asking those questions. They just don't really fall into the story. And that's what you're trying to get is them to just roll with it. uh, back to the original dilated pupils stared deeply into the flame it's light dancing in the black pits the smell of cat urine wafted off his breath he put the bent cigarette in his mouth as crusty yellow scum crumbled off the corners of his wormy lips he tried to steady his balance by grabbing onto me but i dodged his grasp hold still i told him as i placed the fire over the end of his cigarette he inhaled and breathed out a belch of smoke So my main issues with the original were um, when we had the smell of cat urine and the bent cigarette and the word order is wrong. It it didn't, it didn't, um, things were happening in the wrong order. And I also had an issue with cat urine, but I left that in there because that was the author's word choice. Um, I didn't think that you could breathe out a belch. So I worked with that. And then also I had a little bit of a, wasn't sure about the whole hold still i told him um i would have just said i said but personally i would have taken out all the dialogue altogether and i particularly had an issue with um trying to dodge the grasp It just felt a little bit as i said last time "ew, get off me and that's not what we're going for here and um when the bum uh, the creature tried to steady his balance by grabbing onto the guy um we didn't have any sense of Someone trying to stand like we had no idea of where this guy was in this whole where where are the bodies? What are the bodies doing? Why is he trying to steady his balance? There's just pieces missing of the visual picture. So I'm trying to clean all that up and make sure that we've got it step by step and then and sort through some of the other stuff. So dilated pupils stared into the light. Orange and yellow reflected off black pits. He put the bent cigarette in his mouth. Crusty yellow scum crumbled off the corners of his wormy lips. He stood and tried to steady his balance by grabbing onto me. I shoved his hand away and moved the flame closer. He inhaled and belched out smoke. The smell of cat urine whacked it off his breath. So in that sense, it's all the same elements. It's just ordered in a different way where it's happening exactly as it would happen for it to be physically, by the laws of physics, possible. (laughs) Back to the original. He turned on his heels and bolted down the street, howling at the rain and waving the lit cigarette over his head like an Olympic torch. Startled junkies came out of their haze long enough to screech back before nodding back under the barbiturate spell. The officers in the car gave me cold, hard stares, angry with me for ruining their evening show. The driver rolled up his window and raised his middle finger in full salute. The car rumbled to a start and peeled out of the alleyway, nearly knocking me down. The tires kicked a splattering of muddy filth onto my trousers and shoes. Those were the good guys. So in this little segment, my um, my highlights had to do with, uh, there were quite a few uh, unnecessary words. Um, he turned on his heels, which was a little bit of a cliche. Um, the startled junkies came out of their gaze long enough to, um, before nodding back under the barbiturate spell. There were the officers in the car gave me, and um, that the... As a, a no-no, I highlighted out that they were angry with him for ruining their evening. How can we know that? We're not inside their head. And then as far as word choice usage, my, my biggest quibble was the car rumbled to a start and peeled out of the alleyway, nearly knocking me down. Because for it to nearly knock him down, it would have had to hit him. And it's a, it's just it's a word choice precision thing. So here's how I went and rewrote that to sort of solve, as best as I could, those issues. He turned and bolted down the street, howling in the rain, waving the lit cigarette over his head like an Olympic torch. Startled junkies came out of their haze, screeching in reply, and drifted back under the barbiturate spell. The officers stared at me cold and hard. I'd ruined their evening show. The driver rolled up his window and raised his middle finger in full salute. The car rumbled and peeled forward, cutting perilously close. Muddy filth splattered my trousers and shoes, and those were the good guys. Now, this next paragraph was a a very difficult one for me because it's a lot of detail, and when you insert detail like this, it's essentially interrupting the story. It's it's backstory to an extent or info-dumping, and it's really hard to do this and, and make it seamless. So in the original, I wanted to eliminate as far the words, as far as John Q. Public is concerned. Actually, let me just read the whole thing. <laughs> so as, as far as John Q. Public is concerned, this was just another part of town, run down and dangerous, but the law applied here is anywhere. They were wrong. This area had been surrendered to the, dredges of, the dredge of society, written off an island of anarchy into itself. The police rolled through for appearance. They did not engage. As long as the problem contained itself to these few blocks, it did not exist. A cry for outrage only when the territorial lines were crossed. Crime that spilled across the border glued eyes to TV screens and was difficult to overlook. Or that greatest of human tragedy when a pretty white blonde girl disappeared into the murk and was not heard from again. So, Coming at this from not being the author, I'm assuming that this reference to a pretty white blonde girl disappearing into the murk, that somehow this is connected to the character that he's searching for. But I don't actually know that. I'm assuming that because this character disappeared into the murk, that there was a cry for outrage because the crime had spilled across the border. But I don't know that. Um, there's... So there's, we're, we're sort of throwing, we, we just interrupted the story, and we're throwing this information at the reader. And so we've got to find a way to do that without interrupting the flow. And the easiest way is to put your character in motion again. So he was stopped, the car, the car drove off, it splashed him. He says, and those were the good guys. So here's where we pick up again. I trudged toward another row of cardboard and scrap searching again torn between the hope of finding the kid and wishing she'd turn up somewhere else she didn't belong in this man-made hell probably had no idea what she'd be walking into or what coming here meant how could she to those who paused long enough to think about it these streets run down and dangerous were a bad part of town to which they assumed the rule of law applied the same as it did everywhere else they were wrong they were so wrong so wrong see i gotta clean up my stuff here again they were wrong, so wrong. This was an island of anarchy surrendered and written off. Here, society's dredges were a law to themselves. The police rolled through for appearance, but they didn't engage. And, as long as the problems remained contained within the borders, those problems didn't exist. Public outrage rose only when territorial lines were crossed, when crime spilled over the border and TV screens held the city captive, making it impossible to look away. When, greatest of human tragedy, a young blue-eyed blonde disappeared into the murk and wasn't heard from again. When that happened, when the cops couldn't or wouldn't do anything, men like me were in, brought in to pick up the slack. So, um, when, what I did there with that is, in the original, the character is really just talking. It's, it's sort of info-dumping. He's like saying, well, to everyone else, this is what it's like. And the way that you remove that sense of info dumping is by finding a way to integrate it into the motion and into what's happening and how it applies to the characters right there and then. So it's 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 like working with um, surgical instruments here to to insert that type of thing. But right here, this is the heart of the info dump where it's the info dump where it says, to those who pause long enough to think about it, these streets run down and dangerous were a bad part of town to which they assume the rule of law applied the same, same as it did everywhere else. That right there is the heart of the info dump. And I sandwiched it between him talking about the kid who he's looking for here and how wrong people were for thinking that way. And that allows us to lead into what this place really is without feeling like you're lecturing the reader. Another thing I did here was in, in this um, this piece where he talks about um, how the public reacted, I, I switched it over. I mean, I used the same words more or less, but I'm switching it over into... Um, repetition repetition becomes sort of a kind of poetry where you build and and it creates a cadence and a momentum and I used it by using the word when now Steve I'm normally knuckle wrapping Steve over using the word when because when it's on my
1: list (laughs) of things that I have to search for
0: (laughs) when much like as or before is used as a um a joiner to try and place characters in time and space rather than using rather than spelling it out in distinct movements. But in a situation like this, where it's used as cadence and it's used as pattern building, we're not using it in the same way. We're using it as a way to to build imagery, and it can work as a um as a rhythm. So it says, Public outreach rose only when territorial lines were crossed. That's the when that we're building off of right there. When territorial lines were crossed. Oops, I just messed that up. Um, and so a when used in that situation is not a joiner of, of multiple um, actions. He smiled uh, when, she, when she looked his way. He smiled. That's, that's what we're trying to knuckle wrap against. But in this case that's our first one and that's what we're using as our pattern public outrage rose only when territorial lines were crossed and here we build on it when crime spilled over the border and tv screens held the city captive making it impossible to look away when greatest of human tragedy a young blue-eyed blonde disappeared into the murk and wasn't heard from again when that happened when the cops couldn't or wouldn't do anything men like me were brought in to pick up the slack so There are times when it works and building, using um, cadence and pattern building in a situation like this allows us to fit in a lot of preachy preachy and make it feel like poetry. But you have to be careful not to do that too much or it will just feel like you're trying to be something. You know, it just, you come across wrong. So it has its time and its place. The next paragraph in the original says, I hated being here. I'd spent too much time on these streets, running down bond jumpers, tracking dealers and returning rich kids who'd lost their way back to their families. When the cops can't or won't do anything, men such as myself are brought in to pick up the slack. It's my job. I do it. But that doesn't mean I liked being here more than anyone else. I'm still human, though it doesn't always feel that way. So I took some of that paragraph and I moved it up and put it with the last segment because it, it belonged there. It didn't, it, that's where it, that was the punchline of, of what it was getting to that men like me are the ones who deal with all of that. So I moved it up and then with the rest, I continued. I hated being here. I'd spent too much on these streets, running down bond jumpers, tracking dealers, returning rich sons and daughters who'd lost their way back to their families. It's my job. I do it. But that doesn't mean I enjoy Hell on Earth more than any of the rest of them. I'm still human, though it doesn't always feel that way.
1: And for those of you who are not watching this, just seeing the way the, the words are laid out on the screen makes them that much more impactful. I hated being here. That's a sentence and a line. And then the next paragraph begins again. And then it, the single line paragraph. It's my job. Single line paragraph. I do it. Um, It's so much different uh, the way it looks and the way it impacts the reader when it's laid out that way.
0: Yeah, that's the frustrating thing about doing podcasts (laughs) for a visual visual, uh, tool, you know.
1: So that's it. We've done it. Three parts. And this is so much more descriptive, so much easier for me to understand because as you're going through this I'm like, "Oh, I didn't really catch that in the first read through of this even though I read it and then heard you going through it again. There were things that I didn't catch and didn't understand about the story that are just that much more clear now." And and that's what I think the author was was hoping to get across by having you do this.
0: Well, this is why I did the homework assignment. I don't know how many of our listeners actually did it, but it's because there are so many things you can't catch until you're actually trying to fix them. There are pieces. um, I don't think it's anything we've done on the show. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I better catch myself. So I don't like accidentally offend somebody, but there are pieces that I've done. I've worked over that. At first when I read it, I was like, okay, this shouldn't be too difficult. And then as I got into it, I realized, Oh my God, I'm missing half the information that I need to actually be able to work with this because it's not actually on the page and I don't actually know the answers to these questions, but somehow when you're just reading it, you don't quite get that. And, and that's why a piece like this as as it originally was probably would be fine, but you're not going because the reading mind just skips over a lot of things like that, but you're not going to be giving your, your readers that really immersive reading experience because all they're doing is skipping over things. And have the the visual guideposts to create those mental movies
1: it was funny i was thinking when you were talking about this is the heart of the info dump i was just looking at those lines on the page thinking that is the limit of what i would read before i started skipping and the way you slipped it in there between two other things would have kept me reading which was interesting
0: that's where craft comes into play Um, And it's something that takes a lot of practice. And I hope that by seeing it done, seeing how somebody actually did that, will help make it easier for people who are struggling to figure out how to limit info dumping.
1: Let's talk for a minute about some of the feedback we've had on these episodes. Because when we first started doing them, there was a fear that this is going to be really boring for people if they can't see it and they're just listening. Um, you've you, you've had a lot of feedback on this, and and my sense is that it's it's been primarily very positive.
0: Well, people might just be afraid I'm going to bite their head off if they see <laughs> <say> something negative. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've only heard the positive stuff. But the <laughs> proof great. is the way. proof
1: being in the pudding, as they say. To 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 be uh, to use a cliche.
0: I've the, gotten the, a lot of thanks. I've the, gotten quite a number of emails.
1: Um, and the numbers have gone up since we started doing these. The download numbers and, uh, have gone up considerably.
0: And um, that brings me to sort of um, maybe a call to action. Okay. And that is that I do get many people saying thank you to me. And I, I'm one of those people that as much as I appreciate words of thanks, action speaks so much louder So I'm not saying don't ever say thank you. Don't ever tell me that this is working because that helps me know that I'm on the right path and that what I'm doing is helpful. And if this podcast is helpful, isn't helpful, what's the point in doing it? You know, I don't like hearing myself talk that much. I do. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) what really guides me and makes me think, oh, my God, this is what people want is when they help me with what I need most. And what I need most are patrons over on Patreon. And for those who don't know what Patreon is or who've been asked a bazillion times already and are going, oh my God, not another Patreon request. It's a way for artists and teachers and creators to support themselves and their work with very small contributions that add up And sometimes they're not so small. And I have to say some of my patrons are quite generous and I'm incredibly grateful for that generosity, but it adds up and accumulates into an actual, eventually living wage. And right now the Patreon page is set up that the minimum donation, the minimum pledge is $3 a month. And that is to keep the podcasts coming, keep the websites running, all of that takes money to operate. But you don't have to pledge $3 a month. It'll, it'll let you do a dollar a month if that's what you wanna do. Um, and I can imagine that some people would be embarrassed going, well, I, don't, I don't have a lot to contribute. I find these shows incredibly valuable, but I don't want to make it look like I don't. And so doing nothing is better than giving a dollar a month. And I will tell you right now, that is not true if you find value in these shows, please help keep them coming. I know it doesn't seem like it because we try and keep the shows to 30 minutes or less, and we do run over. And And we are at 46
1: minutes and 31 seconds right now.
0: As I ramble on. Um, (laughs) But an incredible amount of time goes into it on my end, and also on Steve's end, when we are not on air. The amount of time that goes into editing for me the words in one of these in particular in particular this piece because I struggled so much to get it to feel right that is my that that is a considerable amount of time that is a gift and I'm and I'm giving it to you because I want to help other people and it it means the world to me and it it makes it possible for me to do this if I don't have to also worry about how I'm going to pay for the website how I'm going to have to pay to host the videos and all of that. That's where the contributions come in. So if you have found this valuable and it's been a benefit to you in your life, the best way to show me that it's valuable and keep me doing this and not just doing talky talky shows is contribute on to the to the fund that keeps it running on Patreon and the address for that is www patreon.com slash taylor stevens for those of you who've already signed up and are keeping this going i love you to pieces you are my heroes and i am doing this for you and thank you
1: all right that concludes this episode of the taylor stevens show complete with a call to action at the end so
0: i know my my first one ever in the whole world that you didn't have to you know (laughs)
1: yes prompt you and have you say oh my god i didn't even i didn't think of that so anyway we will be back next week um with a talkie talkie show i'm pretty sure We've, we were kicking around some ideas before we started recording this we will be back next week and thank you so much for being here with us every tuesday we really appreciate it you
0: guys are awesome see you next week